Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I'm your host, Kenny Price. Today's episode, episode number 10, is the final part of our mini-series, Reasons to Rejoice. Today's title, A Savior is Born to Me. Again, another Christmas reminder that the Bible gives us plenty of reasons to be happy, to rejoice, to be at peace. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. I asked the question, why shepherds? Look at the scene. It says that the angels of the Lord appeared to the shepherds that night who were guarding their sheep. Shepherds at that time were not considered a very high class of people. They were around their animals on an ongoing basis. They usually had a pretty strong odor about them. The sheep smelled. The shepherds smelled. But yet to those people that night, that it says that the shining, that the glory of the Lord, that heavenly brightness came to them. And it's rightly regarded as the manifestation of God's presence and power. It says that it flashed all around them. You can imagine light that was being emanated all around them like a welder's torch. The significance, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus himself, when he came to launch his public ministry, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so you see that Jesus, his birth, was first announced not to Herod, not to the dignitaries, not to the religious leaders, but to truly what we call the lowly shepherds. That tells me Jesus identifies with the shepherd. He identifies with the lowly. The announcement in the introduction, the angels told the shepherds, stop fearing. You can imagine that night as they were going about their business of tending to the sheep, that for the night sky to be interrupted with this massive, brilliant flashing, and then this massive host of angels appearing to them and giving this fantastic proclamation that it had them, as one person used to say, shaken in their boots. And so the angel of the Lord told them, fear not. Okay, so we've got good news for you. Don't be afraid. This is a good visitation, not a bad visitation. You know, whenever an angel of the Lord appears in the Bible, as best as I can remember, that they always preface their appearance to human beings, which, of course, would cause fear, they always start off by saying, fear not. When I was a teenager, I had the opportunity to grow up 
spending a lot of time out on the Moon Lease, which is just west of Fort Worth, about 90 miles. Through my father, we had contact with Miss Moon and a wonderful place. We had access to the Deer Lease 24-7, 365. Mrs. Moon, who was a widow by that time, enjoyed our company. She had a 2,000-acre West Texas ranch. But I remember one night I was there with my dad and my uncle, Eddie, and it was late. They were sitting around the campfire talking, drinking beer, and I was there with them. I was bored out of my mind by that time, and so I decided I would go looking, and there in the night, I walked out to the road that was just west of our camp, and the night sky was so brilliant, I could see the, the, the field of oats that Mrs. Moon had there uh, just to the west of our camp uh, that she put out really for the attraction of deer because by that time she was keeping some cattle but not much. But all at once the night sky was lit up like a welder's torch. And it was the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen in my life. It really happened. And the sky was so brilliant that the entire 640 acres of land was lit up like daylight, beyond daylight. And so I was extremely terrified. I ran back to my father and my uncle, and I said, did you see that? And they said, see what? And I said, that the, the, the land, it was lit up like brighter than day. And, of course, they started making jokes to me about had I been drinking. Of course, I was a teenager, and I didn't drink alcohol, nor did I ever drink alcohol. And I've never drank alcohol, but, of course, my dad just joking that uh, was I the one who was drunk. Side note, my father came to Christ two weeks before he passed and without a doubt uh, came into the presence of the Lord and was saved. But that night, I still remember the brilliant night sky. And the only thing I can think is that evidently something, uh, a piece of space trash had entered the atmosphere there in that place. But I can tell you when it happened, and it was brighter than day, it terrified me. So you can imagine that these shepherds who had never seen anything like that, much less a night sky filled with angels, they were terrified, but the angels gave them good news. They said, stop fearing, there in verse 10. But then they really said, start listening, because the angels said, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be to all people. And so they give the message to the shepherds that night, that, hey, what I'm about to tell you is great news, and it's going to bring joy. And, of course, that's one of our focus, our key focus here on our podcast is advancing that equilibrium, that peace, that inner stability, that in the midst of an agitated world, we still have the joy and the power of Christ. And they said it's going to be to all people, not a selective bunch, not to the dignitaries, not to the religious leaders, but this joy is going to be for all people. And the message, here's the message. He is born to you today, a Savior. This is a common phrase, a Savior, found in the Gospel of Luke and in the writings of Paul. But you know what's interesting is you check over the rest of the New Testament. F.F. Bruce, the great theologian, he points out that it's not found elsewhere in the New Testament. But keep in mind that the people at this time were under Romans' rule. And they called their emperor Savior, but he was a a far cry from anything like a real Savior. That this Savior that the angel said has come is the one who would 
set the people free from their sin. And so Christ, in truest terms, is the soter, the Savior. And it's interesting the way that the Greek is written here. It says, who is Christ Lord? There's no definite articles. Now, when the Greeks did this, it was done in order to draw emphasis to these statements, to these words. And so the writer, uh, Luke, he wanted us to understand that he is Christ Lord. It's an interesting combination. And this combination, exactly this way, occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. And so the emphasis is on Christ is the Greek word Christos, which is the Greek word used to translate the Hebrew concept that Jesus said in the Old Testament that he would be the Messiah. So you have he's Christ, he's the Messiah. So the angels are saying to these shepherds that guarded those sheep that the Messiah has come. But see, most of the Jews at that time had the concept of or hope of a Messiah who would come and deliver them from the tyranny of Rome, deliver them from the tyranny of the Caesar. And so they were really looking for political deliverance. But yet the full development of the concept Messiah, the angels let us know that he is not just the deliverer, the Messiah, he is the Lord. He is the one who's going to rule. He's going to be over you. So we have the concept that he's Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the promised one, and he is Lord. In Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, it says, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see the message that I've got good news for you. Great joy. This is for all of you. That today has been born a Savior to you. He's Christ the Lord. And then I want you to see the celebration. It says that suddenly, there in verse 13, a multitude of the heavenly host. That word there, it means a, it's used as a military term for a band of soldiers common in the ancient Greek. One person said that it's here is the army announcing peace. So William Hendrickson, in his commentary, in reference to praising God, writes that we can assume at the least that the very birth of Christ is a condition of poverty and deprivation, must have caused these angels to stand in awe of God's indescribably marvelous love. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 said, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 said that these are the things which angels desire to look into, but they can't fully comprehend. And what's really cool about that phrase that Peter uses to describe the, the birth of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, he said that these are things that angels long to look into, and it's a reminder that this is something unique that was done for human beings. And the phrase there that the angels long to look into is only found in one other place in the Greek New Testament, and it's in reference to uh, the disciples when they went to the empty tomb. It says that they stooped over and they peered into the tomb. And so it's this concept that the angels, and I think Peter purposely directs it back to the resurrection, it says that the angels, that they stoop down and they look into the tomb, so to speak, and they marvel, and they are in mystery as to all that it means. You see, we need to keep in mind 
that they too fouled up. In eternity past, they made a decision, a third of the angels, under the direction of Satan, they made a decision to rebel against the Almighty God. They sought to take heaven by storm. The result was they were cast out of heaven. They were cut off from the divine graces of God. They ultimately will suffer punishment in a very real place called the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so the angels who didn't rebel, those who are still the, the ambassadors for God, the messengers of God to, to mankind, that they are mystified by what he came to do and what he accomplished. And so to that, we can celebrate. As human beings, we have the right and the blessing to come into understanding about Jesus and what he came to do and what he accomplished. And so it's an amazing thing for us. It's something of great joy. It's good news for all of us. And so here we see the glory of God and this angelic hymn, Glory and Peace, correspond in the highest and on earth to God among men of goodwill. So also the promise of peace. And that's our main objective here with Watt.Rocks is to advance peace, to advance equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. And so it's a set of favorable circumstances involving peace and tranquility. It means to be without trouble or to have no worries or to sit down in one's heart, to be free from worry. Bruce Metzger writes that those persons chosen to be the recipients of the gift of his Messiah were the recipients of this peace. As a matter of fact, A.T. Robertson writes, it's a matter of fact that real peace on earth exists only among those who are the subjects of God's will. And so that's the truth, dear friend, that the people that this promise comes home to, that it rests in, are those who have become subjects of God, that we've surrendered to Christ Lord, to Jesus Christ the Lord. And so I want you to be encouraged with that today. 1 Peter 5.14, it says, Peace to all of you that are in Christ. So it's on earth, peace among men of his good pleasure. Someone has written, no God, no peace. No God, no peace. The first set of no's is K-N-O-W. No God, no peace. The second set of no's is N-O. No God, no peace. So I want you to think with me today, what if Christ had not come? This would be a very sad place. But the truth of the matter is, he has come, and more importantly, he's come to you and to me. He's come to common man. And so with that, I want to encourage you, there's a lot of reasons to rejoice. One point of clarification, in our last podcast, Jesus is Uniquely Firstborn, I mentioned the fact that we pretty much know the birth time of Jesus, tagged to Herod the Great's death. He passed away in 4 BC. And some of you may be confused in the fact that Jesus, later in his life, referred to Herod as that fox who was alive during Jesus' time. But I want you to keep in mind that we're speaking of two different Herods. The first one who built the temple that the Jews were very proud of is known as Herod the Great. The second Herod, that's the Herod during Jesus' adult life, 
is Herod the Great's son, Herod Antipas. So we're talking about two different people. I have one more special story to share with you before Christmas entitled, The Night Santa Claus Rode My Bicycle. That's all I'll say about it, but it's my favorite Christmas story from my childhood that I'd love to share with you and encourage you with. As we wrap up today's episode, be sure to check the show notes. There you'll find hyperlinks to our podcast home base, the Christian Standard Bible, our ministry's website, how you can support this podcast, also the email address if you have a question regarding anything that you've heard on any of our podcasts, or if you just have a spiritual question that you would like someone else's opinion on, I'll be glad to read your email and respond to you as soon as possible. Please, if you can, keep your question brief. Until next time, my friend, have a Merry Christmas. I bid you peace. Thank you.